guys, welcome back to Revive School. Uh, here we are, the final lesson of the Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters. And so when you jump into Luke 24, here you have, it says in verse 1, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing the spices they had prepared. And it says in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So that's the backdrop. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, Jesus is dead, buried. Kevin, multiple times, Jesus predicts what? He's going to die and come back to life. He's going to die and come back to life, and there's nothing going to be found in the tomb. And so I love this image. It's like we've been waiting for this, and look, the tomb is already, the, the stone is already rolled away. They were perplexed, it says in verse 4, but then suddenly two men just stood up. These are the angels, and we know that there's not a contradiction, but one text says there's one, one says that there's two. And then the women, it says in verse 5, they were terrified, they're freaking out, whoa, and I love this. They say, why, why are you looking for the living among the dead? In other words, he is alive. That's what they're implying already. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And he's not here. You guys, he's resurrected. Remember, if you go back to the words of Christ, he said, by the way, I want you to meet me, right? In Galilee. And so he gives these incredible pictures. These are the things we've been talking about all the way up to, to Luke 24 today. And then in verse 7, we've, we've used this word. We've talked about this word Jesus is the son of man. And I love Josh's imagery of Jesus being a human, whether he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's angry. So the son of man who's human, what happens? All of these things that were predicted, it says he must be betrayed. He must be crucified. He must rise on the third day in verse seven. So it says all of these things need to take place. And then in verse eight, they're like, oh, yeah, he did say that. You know, it's kind of like, hello. Yes, he did say that. And so what do they do? They returned from the tomb. They left the two angels. They got all of these exciting words. And then they reported these things to the 11. They reported these things to the rest of the people. And so here you have, and I love it. And it even begins to describe these ladies in verse 10. If you go to verse 10, it says, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, the other women. They are telling the apostles these things. Guys, by the way, he's back to life. If you realize he's gone from death to life, you have to tell somebody about this good news. But it says in verse 11, as they share these words, these words seem like nonsense to them. And oh, by the way, they didn't believe the women, except there was one, Peter. And I love this. It says he got up and he ran to the tomb. And so he took these words, this good news of death to life. He believed it. And so he ran. And it says when he stooped to look in, remember, there's not much of a, a big hole. He saw only the linen cloths. So he went home and I think he was just scratching his head, amazed at all what had happened, amazed at all that he had heard from his friend, one of his best friends, his words were, were true. And so here you have women excited about death to life. Here you have Peter excited about death to life. But then for some reason, what you're going to see is we're going to look at a story of two disciples that missed the memo. They're still stuck that Jesus is dead. They don't have a clue or a concept or they don't want to believe that he's come back to life. And in fact, it says so they, they left Jerusalem and they're still thinking that Jesus is dead, even though they've heard the women, even though they've heard maybe about Peter's words, even though they've heard about first uh, firsthand eyewitnesses, they still don't believe. And so here, here's a picture of two people and they're just walking like Jesus is still dead. They're like they have the cross around their neck and Jesus is still on the cross. I hope I didn't offend anybody on that one, but that's the reality. The reality is that we still have Jesus on the cross even though he predicted and even though we've heard about eyewitness accounts, we have forgotten that he's alive. It's time to actually have a little bit of step in our, in our walk. Instead, don't, don't walk with depression. Don't walk in this 
this spirit of discouragement. We got to live church. We got to live like he's actually come back to life. Church, we've got to actually believe that death is overcome, sin is overcome, the bad news is overcome, and that we have literally been set free. And when, we, when you live like that, it's actually contagious. I want what you have. But the reason that we're not seeing the gospel advance sometimes in America like we should is because we're still acting like two disciples who act like he's still dead. If he's still dead, he's just the man and he's no longer God as well. But you guys, he is both 100% God and 100% Man, we must walk with victory. So now, originally when Time Revive began to unfold, uh, you know, this little ministry that we're a part of here in the Dallas area, uh, my heart has always been to equip the saints, right, in Ephesians, so that you and I can do the work of the ministry. And so what I want to do is I, wanna, I want you to feel like you're going to be an evangelist today. I want you to feel like you're going to be in the shoes of the Son of Man who's come back to life. That you're in the shoes of actually Jesus. How do you engage people so that they can hear about the truth? So I want us to go through four simple words. We're going to explain some points and some questions under that. And then as a result, I want you to be like, you know what? I can engage those two people who are dealing with discouragement. I can engage those people that are dealing with despair. Or those people that are that are dealing with almost like in a position of being a victim. I want to teach you, I want to equip you so that you feel like you can engage anybody, anywhere, at any time. Sometimes you put on a hat of an evangelist and that's what I want to do today at the end of Luke 24. So it says this in verse 13. Now that same day, right, that all the good news, right, all the good news, Jesus is coming back to life. He has come back to life. That same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, we have a, an incredible version of, it's like a Candyland version of the road to Emmaus. Uh, so just imagine, I think, you know, we're, there are probably two guys are starting up here. <laughs> I just, this is great, you guys. Look, there's even a little bear here. It reminds me of Toy Story 3, right? Just put it to the semi, right? And you know, these road to Emmaus, they're walking through and 89 sheep and goats and cows. King Candy and... King Candy. Princess Lollipop. All right, this is for those that have problem with attention. Okay, you like this one. All right, let's go to the real one. Uh, if you would, let's go to the real picture here that I love. This, is, this would be what, what this could look like on the road to Emmaus. So two of them, okay? We're on their way to a village called Emmaus. Emmaus means, it's kind of a, a soothing word. It means warm bath. Anyway, it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now that, even that location today, Rich, you and I have been there. It's up for discussion. Is it seven miles? Is it 16 miles? Which one is it? Everybody plays that game in Israel. Okay, but we're, for this context, based on the Word of God, it says it's seven miles uh, west of Jerusalem. And so you're headed towards the Mediterranean Sea. Now, two people are on their way to walk. It says in verse 14, together, these two, they were discussing everything that had taken place. So, just so we're on the same page, what had taken place? Jesus' death, His burial, couple angels show up, some women show up. They say, why are you surprised? He's already been talking about this. The women go. They tell all their buddies, the apostles, only one. Peter, he runs back. He stoops down. He's amazed. He's perplexed. And all of a sudden, all that stuff happened today. And so then that day, as they're walking to take a warm bath, as they're walking to Emmaus, right? This is what they're discussing. What an awesome, what an awesome interaction, awesome discussion that they are having. And it says in verse 15, and while they, two people, were discussing, and here it is, and arguing. So now it's gotten a little bit heated. 
I don't even know what they're arguing about. What do you think? What do you think they're arguing about, Josh? Any thoughts? I can't believe I'm asking. Who's going to buy the donuts yeah. when they get to Emmaus? <laughs> Maybe. Why does everything have to go back to food? Because donuts are God's gift to men. Un- unleavened donuts. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think they're arguing about? Uh, who took him? Why was there nobody there? Yeah, is this legit? Are these women for real? Did Peter really hear anything? Why weren't the soldiers guarding this? Were they guarding this? You know, I just, I can see Rich doing this conversation right here. What do you think, Rich? I'm just (laughs) grateful that when we were there, we drove. (laughs) That's a valid point. So while they're discussing and arguing on the little road here, right? Okay, these little guys. Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. Now, look, here's the deal, you guys. When you're walking down this road, don't you think you'd notice if somebody was following you? Like, once you hear the steps, so if all of a sudden, hey, oh yeah, so maybe in their, they're so in, entrenched in their own discussions and their argument, maybe Jesus was ta- tangibly following, or maybe he just showed up. I like that one, where he just shows up and says he began to walk along with them. Now, okay, number one, okay, I want to teach you four words, right? Four words in how to engage people on the road. Now, first of all, you'll never engage people on the road unless you love them. You got to love them. You actually have to want to interact with the two people that are arguing and discussing. It makes me think of our time and when we did Revive Indiana, Indiana, I don't, uh, when we did Revive Indiana in Goshen, Elkhart County, excuse me. I don't know, Rich, if, if you were there, if you guys remember this. Do you remember there was two people having a domestic argument on the corner right across from the, the chief, the, the ice cream place? The police were out. And so we literally interrupted the police having a conversation. We literally then saw a young man came to know the Lord. Do you guys remember this one? It was just like chaos. And you're like, what am I doing here? But the only thing that would drive our team to engage those two young people arguing, and I mean, they were screaming, they were yelling, one had a bandage around his arm. I mean, it was just chaos, right? The only reason that would draw me to that is if, if, if we loved them. I'm telling you guys, you'll never engage anybody walking on the road to wherever unless you love them first. And that's what I love about Jesus is that he clearly begins to show us and model for us how do you engage people? Love means you have to, this is kind of cool, it means you got to go out of your way. You can love people, but don't love them only when it's convenient. You know, Jesus went and found them. Jesus clearly went out of his way. But at the same time, uh, as you go out of your way, it's kind of cool. Love, what I would say, it comes near and walks with people. So not only do you go out of your way, but then you associate yourself with people of the tax collectors and sinners that are invited to the table. It doesn't say he met them. He was walking with them. Yeah, absolutely. And big shift in the American church. That's the opposite of what we, we live. This is the opposite of what we model. It doesn't mean that that's not our message. I'm just saying the model has been, I hope they can come and maybe sit next to me on this seat. I hope maybe, maybe they'll come and, you know, maybe we need to expand our building some more. I'm telling you what, you guys, go find them first. Love is truly the model of how Jesus engaged anybody at any given time. And in verse 16, uh, before we get there, let me just say one more thing. Love clearly, just so you know, it comes from, it comes from God. 1 John 4.19, 1 John 4.19, okay? Jesus, it's, this is so clear. We love, Why? 
because what does scripture say in 1 John 4, 19? Because he first loved us. If we don't understand the death, burial, and resurrection, it's almost this weird concept. Why would I love anybody else? You love because he did that for us first. So this is kind of a radical statement, but I think it's really true. I think we don't engage the community because I don't think we really understand the Father's love in our life. I don't think we really understand. Remember the cup? Remember the bread and the cup? What he's done for us. Because I'm pretty sure every time we take and partake in the the Lord's Supper, in the communion, we're proclaiming what he's done. And we have to take it from the cup and the bread and we got to take it out on the streets. Love is the first step towards us engaging the community. Now, at the same time, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. We'll see if we even get through half this message. 1 Thessalonians 3.12. Now watch, just because he loved us, now watch. And may the Lord cause you and me to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we also do for you. So not only do you embrace what he's done for us, but now the love just it has to ooze over. It has to flow over and out onto the people. You guys... This is the first step to seeing a move of God in your life and in mine. Lord, give me a heart for the lost. Maybe you should start saying, Lord, give me a heart for you first. Then it goes over to somebody else. Okay, so that's the first step that we see. Now in verse 17, okay, this is what happens. The second word that Jesus does is that you have love. And then the second word, and I'm just going to tell you this. This principles, these four truths of how Jesus engages people, I actually believe you can apply it to a doctor at a hospital and how you engage your patients. I think you can do this as a general manager at a restaurant. I think if you're the head uh, police officer and you have officers under you, I actually think all four of these words, it's not just for sharing the gospel, it's applied at all times. In fact, Josh, you were just saying, one of our old buddies, John Russell, he uses these four words even as he, as he teaches people and, and gets people getting ready to get married. These principles, you guys, are life. They're life truths that radically, how you parent, you better love them. And then the second word is, you got to listen to them. So it says in verse 17, then he asked them, this is Jesus asking the two, what is this dispute that you're asking, that you're having with each other as you're, as you're walking? <laughs> like, what are you, what are you engaging about? And they stopped walking and they looked discouraged. So under your listen component, please remember to this, start asking questions. Don't make statements. Don't say what you believe. Ask questions so that you can listen to them. And I love it when he asks them and they stop walking and they look discouraged. He says, are you one of the two? One of the two is Cleopas. He says, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened here in these days? In other words, where's your head been? Where have you been? And so it's really bizarre. and, And I love what Jesus says. He doesn't defend and he doesn't argue. You know what he does? He just continues to ask questions. What, what things are you talking about? The beauty of Jesus and engaging the law sometimes is just to go along with the conversation. Quit trying to prove yourself like you have the apostle card or you have the, uh, you know, whatever card, whatever card it is. I think we try to always trump people or, you know, what is that? The one up? Quit trying to one up people. Just listen to them. I don't know. What, what are you, what are you talking about, Cleopas? Now, I will tell you, Cleopas, there's an incredible theory out there. Christian tradition, I can't prove this, but I love what Constable says. A Christian tradition that Cleopas, one of the two, is Jesus' uncle. Jesus' uncle, which would be Joseph's brother. Now, remember Joseph, remember legal father, not real father, right? Makes sense in our genealogy here. 
And at Cleopas eventually becomes the leader of the Jerusalem church. Now, if that's the case, if, if it is Cleopas, the other one that he's walking with, because they're discussing and arguing, could have been his wife. <laughs> Cleopas could have brought his wife, Mary, found in John 17, 25. Now, ready for this one? This is where some of this makes sense to me. In John 17, 25, Mary was at the crucifixion. Mary was a part of all of the witnessing about what she exactly saw. Kevin, I just said John 17, 25, but let's not go there right now. So here you have Cleopas, maybe Mary, maybe, I can't say that it is husband and wife, I can't, but I do think it's an incredible picture about here they are engaging a family member and Jesus just says, hey, what, what things are you talking about? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet. So they label him as one from Nazareth. He's a prophet. And oh, by the way, he's powerful in action and speech before God and all the people. And like they're describing everything Everything, right? About this Jesus. And look what it says in verse 20. And how our priests, chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. What's the one missing message that they didn't say? Remember, they're walking in defeat. They're walking, walking in like Jesus is still dead. They don't talk about the resurrection. And so in this mindset of them walking down the road to Emmaus, Jesus is with two people, maybe Cleopas, Mary, maybe not, doesn't matter, and the point is, is that they, they don't talk about the resurrection. And so here's what I love is, and, and before we go to verse 21, you guys, as you listen, you need to listen. And this is the biggest turning point, you guys, as you engage your wife, your kids, uh, a lost person, your mailman, wh wherever, you need to listen for the heart issue. You need to listen, where are they coming from? You know, just yesterday, I was getting an oil change for my SUV and as I was talking to them, I asked him how I could pray. And the first thing he said is, oh, by the way, guy's name's Brian, cool guy. He goes, well, my girlfriend really wants me to get into this, but I'm not really a religious guy. So right away to me, and he says, but I'm open to going to Bible study. I'm open to going to a church. So in, to me, there's this tension, how he views God as lists and regulations and rules, but he doesn't have a concept of relationship. So you have to listen for the heart issue in order to turn the corner but it means you're asking questions. And so it says in verse, 20, uh, in verse 21, what's the heart issue? Oh, we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. We were hoping that this was the man, this was the Son of Man and the Son of God. Besides all this, it's the third day. Why hasn't he coming back to life? Since these things have happened in verse 22. Moreover, some women from a group astounded us. Why? Because they heard the story. They arrived early at the tomb and when they didn't find his body... They came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found just as it. Do, do you see this? Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. So we heard the eyewitness account. They went and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. What are they talking about? They just heard everything. Everything. And it says in verse 25, Jesus Quotes Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> he literally, look. He says, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, you've heard the word of God. You've heard about the death. You've heard about the burial. You've heard about the resurrection. And oh, by the way, you just got informed these people saw it. 
and you still don't believe in the resurrection. You still walk in this religious spirit. Is that not true? Because didn't we talk about this? The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. They believe in the first five books, the law that all points to the Messiah, but they don't believe that the resurrection is actually possible. Man, how unwise and slow you are. Do you not even believe the word of God? And then it says in verse 26, didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? He had to go through these things. And in verse 27, maybe one of the times I can honestly say in my life, I sure as heck wish I was there at this time. Because look what Jesus does. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, revived school took place. <laughs> On the road to Emmaus, everything that we've been longing for as we study the word of God through the, the Torah and the Tanakh all the way to the Brit Hadashah, the old and the new. It says he interpreted for them the things concerning himself, not in just a part of the scriptures, but all the scriptures. Minimum base of 300 prophetic words of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And he begins to talk about all of it. The definition of a fool in the Old Testament is a fool is a person who knows the scriptures. You ready for this? But doesn't adhere to what it says and doesn't allow the truth to influence its behavior. That's a fool. A fool is, is you might know something, but you don't radically change. And as they're walking in defeat and in discouragement, that's what happens when they don't believe in the resurrection. And this comes from Jesus loving them and it comes from listening to them. And here we go, okay? Number three, one of the keys for me is that discernment must take place. Okay, now what? I've just unloaded the word. I've heard their heart issues. And it says in verse 28, they came near the village where they were going. About ready to take a warm bath. <laughs> kind of like the other map better. And he gave the impression, no, I'm kidding because I'll get distracted. And he gave the impression that he was going farther, that he was going to go past the school and the stoplight, and he was going to go to the 89 rooms. Okay, go back to the other map. So Jesus gave an impression, like, I'm done. I'm done hanging out with you guys. And so, interesting, discernment, where does it come from? Okay, very clearly, it comes from the Holy Spirit. You have to ask the Lord as you engage every person on the road to Emmaus, how do I interact with this person differently than the other one? As I'm interacting with the oil change guy, right? Just yesterday, the Lord very clearly began to show me, compare his life to the oil change. It sounds super simple, super obvious, right? But I said, here's the crazy thing, okay? As we began to talk through this, the Lord just kept giving me this stuff. And I just said, man, I'm sitting in the car. In fact, there's a line that says, stay in your car. You're not even allowed to get out of your car. Stay in your car. And I just said, here's the crazy thing. I go, you're doing all of the work. You're changing the oil. You're putting in new oil. And I go, what have I done? I said, I've done nothing. In fact, I was instructed to not do anything. And all of a sudden, he began to connect the dots of like, and I go, that's exactly what God's done for you. He says, you stay in the car. Let me change your heart. But I said, at one point, though, you know what you said to me? At one point, you know what you said to me? Start the car. I could have sat there with the oil change, the new oil change, and done nothing with it. But the reality is, at some point, I got to start it and say, I'm in. I'm ready to go. I believe there's been a new change. And so as I started the car and I drove off, you know what happened? He said, that's what I want. I want to accept that. All of that comes not from me. It's not wisdom for me. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And what I see from Jesus is that every person is going to be different. So he's going to play the game. Hey, I'm leaving. I'm out. <laughs> Why? 
Because he wanted to see if there's hunger. He wanted to see if there's actually more that they wanted to know. And so it says in verse 29, but they urged him, stay with us. Because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. And Jesus, just so you know, he had no intention of leaving. But he wanted to see, is there real hunger? So he went in to stay with them. You see, what happens is discernment at the same time, it understands. I think this is really key, you guys, in connecting with people. It understands where the point of entry is. You know what that means? It means every person is different. How I might speak to Kevin is different than how I'll speak to Jeff. But the Spirit of God has to show us that. Otherwise, you become projects rather than people. Jesus models for us how to love them, how to listen to them. And then from the Spirit of God, how do I discern this situation? So let's keep going here in verse 30. It says this, okay, this is my fourth word, my final word, respond. After the Holy Spirit shows you what to do, verse 30, it says, He reclined at the table, and Josh, I know you love this verse, with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. You know, some commentators, I love this. It, it might have taken them back to multiple things. The Lord's table, right? The Lord's supper. It could have even taken them back to the feeding of the 5,000. All of these things about like Jesus is, and we're going to get into the Gospel of John. He is the bread of life. They see this as, oh, that's Jesus. And so scripture says in verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. <laughs> and as soon as they recognized him, he, he left the way he came. It says, but he disappeared from their sight. And so how did Jesus respond? At that point, he broke bread. So at that point, he connected, right? I just, I'll just say he connected, uh, well, I'll just say just for our context, with the bread. Because he knew the bread was going to speak to their hearts. You have to connect whatever bread it is. It could be an oil change. It could be speaking their language of work. It could be delivering the gospel. You know what it also could be? It could be you're, you're, you're buying some clothes for people. It doesn't always have to mean you're articulating the gospel uh, verbatim. It just means how are you supposed to respond based on what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And so here in verse 32, the classic discussion. It's almost like they're back on the road again. <laughs> hey, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures? Just, oh, I, I knew it was him all along. Right? You know, like, oh, I knew the truth. No, no, they didn't. Yeah, but there was something about the truth that when you hear the truth, it just stirs inside of you. It's almost like that, that fire that God has put in us. It's like the flame begins to grow and to grow. And, and they knew that there was something different. And I love in verse 33, it says, that very hour they got up, okay, after they figured this out. And what did they do? They returned to Jerusalem. They just, they just walked there, Rich. They didn't drive, they just walked. And so back on our journey, what does they do? They went back and they found the 11 with those that they gathered together. And then in verse 34, it's so cool. They said, hey, the Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon with the reference of Peter. So you know what this means? Is that Jesus showed up and they walked in defeat, but they had an encounter with the living Messiah and they walked back with victory. They walked back with victory because we have seen the Son of Man. It says in verse 35, then they began to describe what had happened on the road. <laughs> oh, I knew it was. No, you didn't. Like, you can just picture this. And how the, he was made known to them as what we just talked about in the breaking of the bread. You have a reality. And at the end of Luke, the reality is, is that Jesus is alive. He went through all this death burial so that we could experience the resurrection and the life. 
So how do we, what do we do with all this? Well, let me just simply just say this. Go love somebody today, please. As you love them, listen to where they're at. Listen to what their heart is beating. Listen to what they're saying. And then discern from the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, how do you want me to engage this person? Because as I engage this person, maybe he wants you to invite them to the table. Maybe he wants you to bring them to the table so that you could talk about what Christ has done for you and for them. That's the Gospel of Luke, guys. Thanks for joining us as we've jumped in 24 chapters. Here's the fun part. We're not done. We start the Gospel of John tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks.